Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. Thank you so much for listening, and my prayer is that your your life will be changed and transformed as you listen to this broadcast and as together we become doers of what we hear and what we read, what we listen to. And so I want to begin this message by asking or raising uh, an issue or raising a question, asking a question, what is the source, the root of most of our problems? And I mean by that you and me and others, families, marriages, companies, teams, and even nations. What is the source of our problems? Well, the source is self. What I want, when I want, how I want it, no matter what the cost, really it comes down to sin. And somebody once said that the middle letter in sin is I. It's all about me. It's I, 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 me, myself, and I. Think about it. People kill others because of this sin. They rob others at gunpoint because of selfishness. They undermine people because of their own greed to gain, to get ahead. They slander others because of their selfishness. Nations go to war because of greed and pride, which the root is selfishness as well. But listen, my friends, when we walk in humility and consider, as Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, as we consider others as more important than ourselves, that is the secret to true peace and joy. And it's because we bless God, we please God. And when we do that, we have his favor, we have his ability, his blessing for us to succeed. Now, during Jesus' day, the scribes and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Israel. That is, they represented God to the people. They knew the Word of God. Most of the people didn't know the Word of God. They didn't have access to a Bible like so many do today. But they were immoral. They were arrogant. They were pompous. They were greedy for money and fame. And because of that, 
these men that were supposed to represent true faithful religion in Israel, what they ended up doing is they blasphemed God, thinking that they were his representatives when in fact they weren't. They were self-deceived and they only shamed him instead. Now, that isn't just for them. This is what too many Christians and Christian leaders have done since Jesus' day and are still doing today because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to completely change and transform them every day, day by day. And so I'm trusting that God, through this message, will see the horror of selfishness, the empty, the emptiness of selfishness, the sin of selfishness, and instead seek to live lives that please and honor our God. The title of this message today is The Parable Against Pride. The Parable Against Pride. And we are in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. And we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke called the Know Your Faith series. Now, of course, without uh, we don't want to go into the Word of God without first praying and asking our teacher, the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. So would you join me in prayer now? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, looking to you, Holy Spirit, our teacher. And we can't get anything out of your Word unless we first seek you and ask you. And so we do that with humility now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead and guide and direct this time. And we ask you to open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. You're so good. You're so generous. You're so magnanimous. You want to give us all that we can handle. But we must listen carefully with the desire to obey. And now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would conform us into the image of Jesus as we receive your word eagerly. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and enable us to produce great fruit for the name of the Father and the Son, both presently and eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 7. And Jesus began speaking a parable to the invited guests. Now, what is he referring to? Well, this is a meal on the Sabbath in the home of one of the members of the Sanhedrin. And the prominent guests were the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus had just healed a man suffering from a very serious condition. It was due to congestive heart failure. 
He healed them on the Sabbath. He challenged the Pharisees, and they did not respond to him. They would not listen to him. But in this situation, he also noted, and this could be a different situation, but it looks to me like Luke is referring to the same situation. He began speaking a parable to the invited guests. This would have been a large home when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. And again, the Pharisees and the scribes were all about pride of place, importance, titles, admiration, and climbing up the social ladder where you sat really revealed where you ranked in society. That's why they were looking for the places of honor. And so Jesus says to them, and the purpose of this is for their redemption. The purpose is to reveal their pride and get them to humble themselves. And so he says in verse 8, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. Verse 10, but when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It occurs to me that this may have something to do with eternal life as well. Because the only way someone can receive eternal life is through humility. These men who thought they had a ticket with God in heaven for eternal life, because of their status in society, because they were Jews, because they were offspring of Abraham, not spiritually, they thought they were, they they were self-deceived and imagined themselves to be more holy and righteous than anybody else. So what Jesus is doing is he's trying to get them to see their own sin. Warren Wiersbe declares of these phony religious leaders, he writes, it was more important to sit in the right places than to live the right kind of life. Now, a parable is an earthly story or illustration that points to a heaven re heavenly reality, and especially to what the kingdom of heaven is like, how it operates. And what's expected of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? I might point out 
that the disciples were most likely here with Jesus, watching, listening. And so everything that he says, while he may he may be speaking directly to the scribes and the Pharisees and the invited guests, it's likely that the, the disciples were sitting on the outskirts of what was happening watching, listening. And so certainly Jesus, what he said, they knew applied to them. And in time, for example, the leading apostle at the time, the apostle Peter would be humbled by God again and again and again to set him free from his own level of pride. And towards the end of his life, when he writes 1 Peter in chapter 5, verse 5, he says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. I dare say that Peter learned the lesson of what Jesus taught here in Luke chapter 14. As a matter of fact, I I think it's noteworthy that in 1 Peter 5 verse 1, notice how Peter describes himself. He says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. And so Peter, though he was the leading apostle to the Gentiles, and though he had influence, I'm sorry, he was the leading apostle to the Jews, but he also had influence with the Gentiles, most of the people that he's writing to in his epistle. 1 Peter, and then in 2 Peter, most of the readers were Gentiles. Peter had learned well the lesson that Jesus taught here in Luke 14, 11, that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Where are you, my friend? Where are you? Do you practice? a lifestyle of humility? Do you fall into the category that Peter wrote about, that Jesus speaks about? Or do you fall into the category of the scribes and the Pharisees, always demanding attention, always trying to get people to serve you, always trying to work things so that you are the center of attention? always seeking to take credit for what it is that maybe you've accomplished, but forgetting that there are others that have helped you along the way and forgetting ultimately that it's God who enables you to do what you do. Where do you stand today? When God looks at you, does he see a humble man or woman? Or is he repulsed by your pride? 
And that's why I'm, I'm saying, are you practicing humility on a daily basis? Humility cannot, cannot be gotten. It cannot be developed just once in a while. But humility is something that must be walked in and sought out every single day. My friends, humility is what gets God's attention. Humility is what he values and rewards. I love Isaiah 66, verse 2, that, think about this, it says this, but and this is God speaking to the people of Israel through Isaiah. He says, but to this one will I look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Psalm 37, and Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, that it's the humble who will inherit the earth, not the proud. So where do you stand in this crucial matter of humility? Jesus told this parable because he witnessed the greedy guests seeking influential seats of honor at the home of this leading Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees knew all the verses in the Old Testament which warned against pride, many of them in Proverbs. How about Psalm 138, verse 6? I was just reading it this morning. They knew Psalm 138, verse 6. They knew that David was the man after God's own heart. They knew that David was a humble man. David says in Psalm 138, verse 6, For though Yahweh is exalted, yet he regards the lowly. That word regard can be translated in joy. Take heed, notice. God enjoys the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. The Pharisees knew these verses. The Pharisees knew the multiplicity of verses in Proverbs that speak about humility. I was doing some reading in Daniel. They knew what a humble man Daniel was. They knew the humble example of Job and Abraham and Joseph. But they were hearers of the word. They were not doers of the word. It's only the doers of the word who are blessed, not the hearers of the word. That comes from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. You see, my friends, their knowledge of Scripture was ultimately useless, but it was also dangerous. Because as the Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 2, knowledge puffs up one's ego. And it makes it makes a person harsh, it makes a person arrogant. And so knowledge, the knowledge of scripture is a vital thing, but what is equally vital is the practice of what we know. 
the doing of what we know, the carrying out of what we know. And if our learning of Scripture isn't making us more humble, then there is a serious problem. Pride will keep people out of the kingdom of God. Because without humility, no one can be saved. One must come in humility and contrition to Jesus in full dependence upon him alone for salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, do you have salvation? If God were to say to you, when you die, why should I let you into heaven? What will you say to him? Will you depend upon your, quote, goodness? Or will you depend entirely on the merits of Jesus alone to grant you by his grace and mercy eternal life? And so this parable is further evidence of the grace of Jesus. Despite earlier in verses 1 through 6, their evil set up to trap him. Instead, he moves with a redemptive spirit, seeking to get these men to repent of their sin, their religious pride, and their evil ways. You know, my friends, applications from this parable are numerous. For example, every successful friendship, relationship, it has to be rooted in humility. Because Human beings, even the greatest of Christians, the most mature Christians, we still carry sin and selfishness around in us. And so relationships, marriages, have to be rooted in humility, in giving one another honor, preferential treatment and honor, in forgiving each other. And I'm not just talking about once in a while. I'm talking about all the time and blessing one another. But I'll tell you, pride destroys all of those valuable traits. A marriage must have the daily practice of humility evidenced in putting the other's interests ahead of one's own interests, as I said at the top of this message. Martin Luther, the, the one who started the Protestant Reformation and brought the church to the Word of God, called marriage a school for character. And the one who has the greatest character has humility, just like Jesus. So where do you stand today in these areas? Do you value humility? Do you practice humility? Do you welcome humility? Or do you resent it? You know the answer, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you where you stand in this area. Listen, we live in an increasingly arrogant world. People hate to be told what to do because they're really their own gods. They spew venom at others on social media 
because they're cowards. They can hide behind their laptops or their cell phones. In truth, they're arrogant because they love their sin and they hate God. Because God exposes their sin. And when they find themselves in hell for eternity, they will live in their state of pride. And consequently, their lives will be far more intolerable. And this truth just highlights the urgency to repent of sin and get right with God. It also highlights the daily urgency to develop the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of which is humility. Friends, I'll be honest with you, it startles me and grieves me to witness how relatively few Christians seem to value humility, especially those that know better, that think that they're mature. This is evident to me in how many refuse to apologize for their sin. To claim to know Jesus, who uses two major words to refer to himself as humble, and yet to refuse to grow in humility is a significant display of hypocrisy. That's what it is. Albert Einstein, the great scientist, one of history's most famous people, cautioned. He said, try not to become a man of success, but try to become a man of value. You see, he recognizes he recognizes character. He recognizes the importance of humility. So where do you stand today? Do you hate pride in yourself? Do you humble yourself? Do you ask God to forgive you of your sin and your pride and your arrogance? If you need prayer, then let's pray right now. I want to pray for two categories of people. First, for Christians who you know that you need to live a lifestyle of humility. And then I want to pray for those that are not born again, who have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. I want to pray for you. So for the first category, Christians, I'd like you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, pray with me out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my pride, of my selfishness, of my temper, my arrogance, my anger, my impatience with others, my self-seeking. It all dishonors you. Forgive me and cleanse me and help me to please you by walking in humility. You have been resisting me because of my pride, but I need your grace and your help. I receive your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to work with me daily to value humility. 
And for those of you are, who are not right with God because you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray with me right now as well these words. Lord Jesus, pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Live your life in me. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. I surrender my life to you. I belong to you and you alone from now and forevermore. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer, for forgiving me of my sin and making me a brand new person. And now, my friends, may the Lord hold you firmly in his grip, protect you from the evil one, incline your heart all of your days to love him, to hunger and thirst for him and for his word, and to delight to obey him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.